0: We're in faith, you're in to <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Reverend. That's hot. All right. Okay. Um, all right. Here we go. It's an honor for me to be here. I turned it on, I think. Right? Okay. So. I have like two mics on me. It's like crazy. Okay. Um, yeah, it's an honor for me to be here. Uh, it was. I recognize a lot of faces and you know it's kind of crazy that so many circles are gathered here today and I have a lot to thank for pursuit for doing that you know for really uniting the region uniting so many ministries uniting so many churches it's so funny because the moment I walked in you know, I saw people from this circle that circle I'm like oh I remember you from that conference or this revival and I think it's so special when everyone could all agree to gather for one reason, which is yeah. to pray, yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, I'm really honored to be here, and hopefully my husband and my kids will make it here later today, but let's start. Um, I just really feel like the first thing we got to do is just welcome the Holy Spirit, so can you just join me on that, you know? Um, yeah, I just felt like as I was asking God, okay, how do you, you want to go about this? How do you want to do this? And I just felt Him tell me, can you just... Make it about me first, you know. And I feel like already, I mean, there's already glory hunters in this room. Like, I could tell, like, you guys are already here hungry. So, getting to that point is not a problem. Let's just really just acknowledge Him. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yeah, Welcome. just magnify Him, let's marvel at Him. Allow yourself. <clears throat> To feel him, the weight. The weight is here. There's no need to beg for the presence of someone that's already here. But it's to acknowledge. To magnify. Allow your Whatever it is that may have burdened you this morning, allow it to just disappear. And allow the king to be at the center of your attention. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we enthrone you. We magnify you. Holy Spirit, I pray that as we make space, To give all the attention to you. Jesus, that you will break everything that needs to be broken. That you will shake everything that needs to be shaken. And God, I just pray that you break down the walls of impossibility. And I pray for fresh winds of revival. Give us a vision for what that should look like this morning, God. Give us a vision for what we need to do to pursue it, God. Give us guidance. I thank you for the miracles. I thank you for the revelation. I thank you for the activation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Although these days I feel like I'm more, um, like, I mean, people know me as like the Honor Summit pastor, so female empowerment and so on and so forth. But if you've known me long enough, um, like funny story, uh, Pastor Will, who's also a speaker for this conference, he and I go back, like way back. I've known him since he was 15 uh, BC, before Christ, you know, and I mean, so if you've known me long enough and we have a lot of stories together, him and I, um, but yeah, I've always been so hungry for the move of God. You know, I I grew up with a spiritual father that always talked about revival. And so, for so long as a child, you know, starting from around 15 to 16 years old, I mean, I've been seeking miracles. I've been seeking God to move. Because I always felt like, okay, if God moves, then we should feel it, right? Like, we should see it. We should experience it. Things should change, right? And so, I've been seeking that as a, as a child, you know, and I, and, but it was to the point that when it didn't happen, I genuinely felt so rejected by God. You know, I mean, I, I went at it. I remember, um, uh, there was a time, I think it was around uh, during 2008, there was a big outpouring in Florida, the Lakeland outpouring and revival. I remember, uh, I would spend my summers at my spiritual father's house and, you know, Pastor Will and I, and there's another pastor named Pastor Joe, we would sit down and we would watch the Lakeland Revival on livestream because it shook the entire nation. You know, and even, I remember even CNN was catching wind of what was going on in Lakeland. And it just blew my mind, and ever since the Lakeland Revival, I remember having this hunger, God, if you're gonna do it, I want to I be a part of it, if you're gonna do it, I want to believe for it, before it happens, instead of believing in it, after it happened. You know, if you're gonna do it, I want to be a part of that story. I want to be able to say at the end of my days that God moved through me, not despite me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I uh, I remember I was like, I was a glory hunter. I mean, as in, like, I was looking for the miracles. I remember my friends and I, like, someone needed contact solution. and we, we went to Walmart, and it took, like, we had, like, a 30-minute delay because people were trying to, like, um, have words of knowledge, like, I saw a black cast, oh, a woman with a black cast, and, you know what I mean? Like, and like, we'd be at someone's graduation, and we'd be like, where's Jonathan, where's Jonathan? Oh, he's healing someone, Ah, oh, man, like, you know? Like, we we just, we were, we were so hungry f- to see the healings. Because we felt like, if you see the movements, like if, if you see all these things, and that means, you know, God heard you, and like, there's revival, you know? And so, I mean, there was always this question, okay, what does revival look like? Is it always signs, miracles and, and wonders? You know, like what is what are we really praying for? That we're hungry for? You know, we're generally Korean American here and we all have the same prayer culture. You know what I'm saying? You know, when you go to like ATS or any seminary, they always They point out the Koreans, you and your prayer meetings. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like, ah, ah, ah. You don't even know why you're screaming. You're crying and you don't know why you're crying. You know, when I was young, when I was about like, you know, 14, 15, I thought when God moved, revival meant you cried a lot. When I was around like 21, 22, I thought revival meant that there was lots of healings. So, but as the years went by, I'm in my 30s now. I'm not going to say how into my 30s, but I am in my 30s. You know, I am a mama of four. I'm at a place in my life where I have had to reassess and assess, okay, what are we pining for? Like, what are we crying out for? Like, what's the goal here? You know, I remember one of the most pivotal moments in my life. I actually met with a prophetess. And I was just like, she was super like secretive, and I don't know. She had some secret society thing, not a cult, but like it was, she was like one of those like legit prophetesses. You know what I'm saying? Like she had an extra phone for her prophetic ministry. It was really weird. No. I know, right? It was like it was like crazy weird. But you know, I mean, through people that I trusted, they're like, she's legit. She has a prophetic ministry over her life. I want you to meet with her. So I sat down with her, and the first thing she held my hand, and she looked at me, and she's like. She said, "You're looking for the miracles. But the greatest miracle of all is living in his presence." Wow. But that's not what I wanted to hear though. <laughs> I know in this context you're like, "Hey, you know but when i but as somebody that really want to break through in my healing ministry and my prophetic ministry, I was like, "What?" <laughs> Do what I do more quiet times? Like, what is you, you know, like what's the bottom line here? Like that to me did not sound appealing. But she just looked at me and she's like, you know, live with him minute by minute. I'm like what? You know, that doesn't sound like revival to me. That sounds like a Devo curriculum. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, but that really uh pivoted me in my search for God's move. Because I realized. If you want an encounter, then you could ask for miracles. But if you want a revival, you need to host the presence. That's good. You know what I'm saying? I have lived in so many states, have been to so many churches, and I'm not saying I'm popular, it's just I moved around a lot. My dad was a businessman. You know, I kept on getting married and pregnant and I and I just moved around a lot. And I've seen revival hit many places. But when I say revival, I mean encounters. But revival is a move of God that stays. That's a revival. If you want an encounter, ask for miracles. If you want a revival, ask for God. You know? And I realized this problem was saying something to me that I needed to hear. I was seeking the encounters, but I wasn't appreciating his presence. You know, it's like trying to be friends with someone just because you get more Instagram follows. You know, it like makes no sense. If you want the things of somebody else, you need to have a genuine relationship. Yeah. That's right. And knowing how to host someone. It's very different than just inviting someone. You know, it's funny, uh, Bethany people know this, but I have a, uh, no, <laughs> you know, <laughs> y'all know who it is. I'm not gonna say who it is right here, but um, I, it's not like he's not really my roommate. It's just, there's somebody from our church who you know needed a temporary place to stay. My husband decided it's a good idea to open up our living room. One, you know, and we all know it's temporary. I got four kids and a dog, you know? Like, there's no space in my house. But, you know, my husband's like, oh, we should let him stay, you know, just for it's temporary. We all know it's temporary. We all, you know, we all know. He knows. I know, right? 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 And so we're like, oh, you could sleep in our living room. Like, it's all good, you know? But it's so funny, because one day I, I went downstairs. I'm like, yo, where's your mattress? Because it was in the living room. He's like, yeah, I'm sleeping in the garage now. I'm like, why are you sleeping in the garage, though? And he's like, "Uh, I think your dog's been peeing on my bed. (laughs) (laughs) But you see, okay, here's the thing. If this son of God, if this this man of God, if I knew this man of God was going to live with me for an extended period of time, we would open up a room we'd have made space to host him for an extended period of time. Do you guys get what I'm saying? But we knew it was just a moment. So we didn't make space. (laughs) He literally put his mattress in the middle of our living room and our dog got in his way. And he had to go, he literally sleeps in our garage now, you know, know? and it's, it's, but we are like that with God all the time. We're just asking for encounters, but we make no space for God you know I've been reading the Gospels recently and you know what blew my mind I've been on Matthew and there's a word that keeps striking my heart there's a word that keeps coming up that keeps striking my heart and it's a word withdrew Mm. it actually happens the most in the Gospels and majority time in reference to Jesus Mm. that Jesus withdrew and the more I kept seeing that word, it really started to bother me because I think sometimes we think that, you know, like, oh, God has no feelings and he has no, you know, like, even if we reject him, he'll stay with me. It aren't like, you know, like we love singing about that. Oh, you know, he'll leave the 99 for the one. He'll chase me down. He'll find me. He'll hunt me. He'll rule me. He'll romance me. Like we love those kind of things. but. You know, when you look at this go- at the gospel, Jesus never, like, forced himself on anyone. He was able to withdraw. And that blew my mind. And I looked it up. Just bear with me here. All the times that he withdrew in any way. You know, if you look at Matthew, I mean, you don't, I'm going to just keep, it's gonna, like Bible Ninja, okay? So if you could follow, you could follow. But, you know, if you look at Matthew 2, if you see that Herod, This is when Jesus was a baby. You know, Herod was, I mean, when he found out there's this like prophetic thing going on and people are looking for this Messiah. It says that he was disturbed in chapter two, verse three. It says he was disturbed. So he had the secret plan to kill him. So what ended up happening? Jesus had to be moved. So he had to leave. He had to withdraw. If you look at Matthew four, right? um, It says when Jesus heard that John has been imprisoned, it says that he withdrew, he left. If you look at Matthew 8, even though he casted out the demons, when the people of the region of Gadarene's, 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 you know? Gatorade, Gatoranes, you know? <laughs> when the pigs, like when they saw the demons get into the pigs and they saw all that, they told him to leave and he left. That's scary to me, you know? And then it says in Matthew 12 that when he found out that, you know, in verse 15, aware of this. And what was Jesus aware of? That the Pharisees were trying to kill him. They didn't like what he was doing. It says he withdrew from that place. Same thing in Matthew 13. The Pharisees Actually, no. Well, yeah, that too. The the Nazarenes were, you know, they were offended. They didn't give him honor. and It actually said that he purposely did not do much miracles in his hometown. It's wild to me. I think we kind of assume that God's going to just do whatever he wants to do. But the fact that he's affected by our faith, that he's moved by our faith and lack of faith. Do you know Jesus is only amazed like twice in the gospel? And both was when he saw faith. To know that we can move the heart of God is wild to me. And it's when he sees our faith, it could touch him. We can touch him. We could welcome him. We could push him away. You know? And it says in uh, Matthew 14, when he found out that John was beheaded, he withdrew. Matthew 15, when the Pharisees were Questioning him about, you know, what defiles who and things like that. It says leaving that place Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre Matthew 16 The Pharisees demanded a sign It says Jesus then left them and went away Matthew 21 Even though he went to Jerusalem, what ended up happening? Is he you know he prophesied even though he came in and, like people were like Hosanna 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 he saw the the uh, people selling things at the temple he t- flipped the tables at the temple you know he did like a long poetic song prophetic sad th- stuff about Jerusalem and then he slept in Bethany Says so he slept outside the city he left I, I mean for convenience sake I'm I, if I'm going to die there, i might as well just stay there. But he withdrew. You know? I mean, this was convenience purposes, right? right? But if you, and if you look at John six fifteen, it says when Jesus found out that the people were going to try to force him to be king, he withdrew. If you look at Mark 3, 7, when the Pharisees were all up on him about Sabbath tradition, and, about, and then he healed someone's hand, and they were really angry, he withdrew. That word withdraw within it has a word called choreo. I'm not a Greek, you know, I, I, I went to like three seminaries because I kept getting pregnant. Um, <laughs> I, I am, but I am not a professional in Greek at all, whatsoever. But I do know choreo, it has a connotation of making space. So think about it. That word withdrew has this connotation of he left to make space about that so that like that convicts me so much because this means that even though Jesus Christ has entered the scene and there are years of prophetic words that say this is the guy this is him and he does signs miracles and wonders somewhere in people's heart when they did not make room for him he left to make room for them Amen. some of us were so full of and i hate to say i'm not saying you're full of yourself but i am also saying you're full of yourself you get what i'm saying you know you know it's like and and the fact that jesus with, will withdraw if you do not let go of yourself all of these times majority of the times when jesus withdrew Where where actually majority of them were with the Pharisees, not even with the sinners, not even with the broken people, the weak people, but it was with the Pharisees. Because it's one thing to know that you need God. You could be sinful and know that you need God and still make space for God. But if you are filled with your own agendas, your own religion, your own standards, there's no room for God. So here we are. We say, I want the miracles, but I will not humble myself. Come on. I want, I want the healing and the harvest of souls, but I refuse to forgive my pastor. You guys get what I'm saying? It's like we want the move of God. We want revival, but we're not making space for the one that brings revival. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we gotta we you know if if in the journey in seeing kings the the in in the journey of seeing the king bring revival, we gotta make way for the king. There's actually been a time when we know we were having revival at our church, and I was just sitting in the back and I just felt the Lord say, Make way. Make way, the king is coming. In your search for revival, God's always going to challenge you on whether you're willing to die for it. Get out of the world, lay down your life for it. You see, salvation is free. Revival costs everything. Uh, you, know, you know what I'm saying? And I think it's really easy to just like roll around and be like ah. <laughs> That's what Koreans do the best. <laughs> ah! Jesus, Jesus, three times. <laughs> like, oh! That's so easy. But the next day when God says, die to your name, die to your reputation, die to your comfort. It's like, oh God, no. You know, (laughs) no. Like salvation is free. Revival costs everything. So it's about hosting his presence. And if you want to host the king, you have to make way. And I've seen a lot of people believe for revival, but not a lot of people make way for revival. And God's really going to challenge that. In your journey for revival, God's going to always challenge deep within your heart. Is there room for me? And if you want revival in your churches, are you going to promote the things that He is drawn to? You guys get what I'm saying? So if I were to host... Like, okay, back to my analogy of my 20-something-year-old roommate. If I were to, if our agenda was for him to stay for an extended period of time, you know, I would make a room for him, you know, like, put in things that he likes. You know, we'll put things in a refrigerator, like the kind of foods that he likes. You guys get what I'm saying? Like, you know, we, I would host him wanting to draw him in. So that his stay is a pleasant stay. That's how you host somebody. So what is the Holy Spirit drawn to? What are the things that draws in God? You know, you have to think about that. If you want revival, the things you promote in your churches, the things you promote in your workplace, has to be the things that, that works with God. Do you know the Holy Spirit can be quenched and he can be grieved? It's true. When we do not promote the things that draw him in. You guys get what I'm saying? It's that the fruit of the Holy Spirit is, is peace, love, you know, self-restraint and things like that. It never said the fruit of the Holy Spirit is popular pastors and and highly listened to podcasts and you know and like widely followed Instagram handles. Like it never, and the Holy Spirit isn't drawn to those things. You know what the Holy Spirit is drawn to? The Holy Spirit is drawn to unity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is drawn to mercy, mm-hmm. forgiveness, right. kindness, Things. You know, these th- three things remain: faith, hope, and love. It never said these three things remain. Mega churches, podcasts, and conferences. It never said any of that. So how do we have revival? By the way, I'm not saying mega churches, conferences, and all that is bad. I'm all about that. I have a conference coming up. You know, so I'm not. I'm not uh, 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 November 9th. <laughs> so I'm not saying those are bad. But if you want revival, and if you want revival to stay, then you gotta know what your guest really wants. The fragrance that he likes, the atmosphere that draws him in. It's love, faith, hope, peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. Honor, respect, forgiveness. Some of you, your community, is one forgiveness away from revival. Wow. You know what I mean? I remember once I was, um, I was uh, in prayer meeting at our church. We have this thing called Thursday Night Burn. And, you know, I was like, sitting there and, you know, we're praying, God, bring revival, all that stuff. And God was like, what will you do with it if I give it to you? And that really that took me aback. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Be revived? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I did got to think about it. Okay, when well, revival comes, what are you going to do with it? I'm really happy about it. It's the story, it. <laughs> you know? Like, I don't know. And the Lord said, You got to care about what I care about. Yeah. You gotta care about mercy, justice, the lost, the broken. You know, it's about hosting God, like the person of God. You know, there's a big revival movement going around. You know, they say, um, they say this is like the next Lakeland, you know, which is the North Georgia revival that's been going around. And I've been, I've been there. I've tasted it and I've seen, and it's legit. But well, one of their stories, you know, uh, Pastor Todd White, when we were, we were having like a pastor's gathering, and one of the things that he shared was the weight that he had to carry to keep the revival going. And he looked at us, all us pastors and leaders, and he said, it costs me everything. There was an issue with, um, and this is like, I mean, he, he widely shared it, so everyone knows, but... There was actually, um, in the heat of, well, as revival was starting to come, his church, and there was another another church, those leaders, they had issues, you know, Um, and there was like years of issues. I don't, to be honest, I wasn't listening too much into the details, but you know, there was issues. And the Lord said, I want you to take your building fund from your church. And I want you to go to his church. Help renovate his church. Wow. And so they did. And he said actually, because they were like really excited about it in a way, like they knew this was God, and even though it's painful, they knew it was God. So they had someone bring a video camera to video record the whole thing. You know, it's a kind of it's a poignant moment, you know. It's a lot of money too, so you better record it. right? (laughs) Right? And he said, actually, as they walked into the building, somehow, even though the person was recording and he didn't press any weird buttons, the recording just stopped. And he said, as they gave the money, it was such a holy moment. And it just sparked another wave in that revival. Forgiveness, humility, dying to yourself to bring unity. It's painful. Money, oh, that's painful. You know, when God, he talks about your money, I mean, that's painful. But how much are you willing to lay down your life for revival to stay, to, to host the presence? God is so drawn to humility, the humble place. It's... Only the thinking of men to think that influence only comes when you are higher up or more well-known. That's why, actually, mothers, for the women who have children and you are in maternity leave and you is a milk factory and you cannot go anywhere beyond a two-hour time frame, we get depressed. Because we feel like we got an education <laughs> for nothing. You know, and we have no influence. But do you know, God is so drawn to the humble people. That's right. He changed the trajectory of the entire world through a mother, Mary, Come on. who just said, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. She didn't, she didn't have 100,000 followers on Instagram. She just said, she just had a yes, That's good. a humble yes. I think people forget how hard that was for her to carry salvation in her womb. You know what I'm saying? Think about you know, just regular pregnancy is hard enough. You know? But I asked God, I'm like, why? Why couldn't you come after she got married? The salvation quality is still the same. You know what I'm saying? Like why would you choose and like, you could have told her when she's like because you don't show until like, you're four months pregnant You could have told her the four-month mark shortened the time frame where, of suffering You know like but what she had to do the whole thing The shame of probably for the rest of her life being people must have been suspicious that she was an adulterous woman Yeah. She had to carry the weight of revival her entire life But we sing about Mary you guys get what I'm saying? Yeah. You wanna change the trajectory of history, then you've gotta carry the things that God is drawn to. Yeah. If you look at strategy, if I were God, I would have just gone to the top Pharisee, like, yo, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna impregnate this woman. <laughs> She's already married, don't worry. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like PR is gonna be fine. <laughs> you know, I, if you think about just strategy, like I wouldn't have done it the way God did it, but thank God I'm not God. There's a a way, like, revival costs everything. Salvation is free, but revival costs everything. And if you're here, and I'm gonna close with this, so, you know, I don't know, this yeah, (laughs) I don't know if that's what was prepared, but, you know, it'll be good. Um, I lost my train of thought. But yeah, revival costs everything. Costs your whole life. I remember there was this one time, I was a missions leader for, you know, this, it, there was a mis, uh, Mexico youth outreach um, for For Christ mission. And I was a missions leader and me, Pastor Will, we were a part, like we were heading the Southern California front. So we had about like 40, 50 kids. And this is when I was a youth pastor in San Diego and he was in LA. And I mean, this honestly, like I remember. Uh, that was one of the craziest mexico youth outreaches i've ever been to it was so fire and we had over 70 kids get baptized that year it was wild It was one of the most beautiful baptisms i've ever witnessed they would go into the water come out just baptized by the holy spirit come out just singing in tongues come out like just renewed but the devil was so mad and trust me, like William was there, so you could ask him. I, I'm making this up. The waves got so high, the rip tide got really close to the shoreline that some of our kids were starting to drown. Um, and as a youth pastor, I like, am just like, no! <laughs> right? <laughs> and actually, one of my kids, he actually almost like he almost completely drowned, and because he got dragged out of the water, he was completely unconscious and you know they were trying to like get the water out of him and but during that time there was another group from I think I forgot where they're from I don't know but they were somewhere from Southern California it was like about a group of six seven kids and I wasn't their youth pastor but they came along and they were because we're all Southern California region they were in our team and one of their brothers one of their cousins or brothers also semi drowned, but when, he, when they dragged him out, he was conscious. He was spitting out water, but he was conscious. So his sister was like, Pastor Faith, Pastor Faith. You know, he just got out of the water and I looked at him and he was fine. He was like, you know, spitting up water. I'm like, okay. And I went to my youth group student, who was unconscious, right? So you guys get what I'm saying? Like, but the group of five, six, six, seven kids, they were so hurt. And they were so offended because they thought that I was staying with my own youth group child and not caring about them. And, you know, because everyone was in that heat of the moment, it was just trauma. You know, everyone's blaming each other. Everyone's screaming and crying. And I was bawling my eyes out. You know, all my friends still make fun of me for how much I was bawling my eyes out. I was literally imagining myself having to talk to his mother, like I lost your kid in the ocean. I'm so sorry, you know. And um, but during that time, that group, those, that group of, I forgot five six kids. They were so angry at me. We're in the bus ride back to our our station, our, our center. They were saying, like, "F Pastor Faith, Like I hate her." blah, 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 and they were just cursing me out because they, they were so, and I know in their trauma of almost having had lost their brother slash cousin, they just, you know, they just really felt the pain that I did not care or things like that. From a worldly perspective, I remember thinking, this doesn't need to be my problem. They're not part of my church, and I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't neglect this kid he was conscious but my kid, my other kid was unconscious you know and so in my head I thought I didn't do anything wrong but I looked at those kids that were here without their all in a foreign country nonetheless without their pastor without their family who are all crying and angry and God said is is your name worth it? Because these kids are gonna go back to their youth groups, their churches. And their church needs the fire of God. Is it is, is your name worth it? How like, I don't know, you know, but I just felt the press of God and he said, go humble yourself. So, I mean, I'm a, I was a grown woman. I mean, I still am, but I was, I was a grown woman back then, too. And it's a, I kneeled before these kids. But even though I knew that I didn't need to, I knew I wanted revival more. Yeah. And what drew the presence of God wasn't my strategy or pride, it was my humility. My choice to die. Remember, I got down on my knees and I looked at them and I said, "I am so sorry that you felt this way from me. I did not mean to, but you're right. As a leader, I should have been more aware of what you guys needed. And I'm so sorry." And you know, as kids, are like, "Ah, oh, sure, fine, blah, blah, you know? <laughs> right?" But that night, we had a revival service, right? I mean, for those of you that go to NYO, you know how this is. Like, kids are dropping like pins, you know? Like, right? But as, as the fire of God was moving in the sanctuary, I saw those kids in the back. And you know how it is? Like, there's so much movement everywhere, but they're like. <laughs> and I knew. In that moment, there revival has nothing to do with me in a sense you know what i'm saying i could have just been like i forget it. i did my part god i did it i'm fine you know like they don't want to pray that's their problem you know but it's, god, just Like but what do you want more like oh and he was challenging me to die yeah. i went up to them they were all in like a wall like a line I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> And I liter- this was literally my prayer. Literally my prayer. I said, Jesus, I gain nothing if you touch these kids. But I'm so hungry for you. That even if this has nothing to do with me, you have everything to do with me will you touch them? Will you touch them? I remember I laid my hands on them and they just pff, 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 like, pff, like just, <laughs> right? the power of God what we call revival but like I said salvation is free but revival costs everything I don't want just a moment, I want revival, I don't want just an encounter, I want revival and if I want Revival, I need to host the one who lives in me. And if he calls me to die, then let me die. If he calls me to humble myself, then let me humble myself. To be misunderstood. Because l- let me tell you, if you live for Jesus, you will be misunderstood. You will be. You will be. And you will lose some. You will lose some. But what you gain is the presence of God. Do you know, I spent about six years making children. You know? And as a woman, some of you that are already mothers, you know, it's probably one of the most vulnerable, humiliating, sad, yet joyful, you know, times of your life. And I genuinely felt like, I wasn't part of what God was doing around the world, but do you know in those six, seven years, God taught me how to listen to his voice, how to humble myself, how to be still before his presence. And I realized the fact that he forced me to be still in my house and awake <laughs> through the night. Cause what you do three in the morning and no one's like, there's only so many Netflix you could watch. So you pray. But do you know, I've seen more miracles this year than I have in my entire life. Because I spent those six, seven years just being with this presence. I eventually became that speaker that was always pregnant so people stopped asking me to come. You know, legit. You know? Like people don't even recognize me anymore because I was so fat for six, seven years, you know? But during that time, well, I felt like forgotten, unseen. Incapable, weak, like nothing, just flesh. God gave me the greatest gift of all. And I thank God that I had to be in this season where it just had to be me and him, me and him, me and him. And some of you, you are in that season where it just feels like you and him, you and him. And I say, praise the Lord bless you. He must want to use you for revival. Because once you walk with him, revival is easy. Healing, easy. Salvation, so easy. 2019 started off with God saying, faith, revival is easy for me. And I said, it was really hard for me. So then you got to do it then. It's really, it's really hard, it's really hard for me. But this year, more science, miracles, and wonders that I've ever seen. More salvation stories that I've ever seen. More kingdom has happened this year than I've ever seen. Because to him, it's easy. Gotta just host him. Can we all rise?